Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Board Draw Podcast, episode number 62. We are racking up the podcast. Um, Today we are back to talk about the Premier League, a weekend of late winners, big turnarounds. It was a good weekend of football. Yeah, it was. There was, um, yeah, Sunday like you said, yeah, Sunday was so dry. And we've got a big game on tonight, Nottingham Forest and Burnley. A big game, I mean, like. Counting on Matt Turner to get me some FBL points because yeah, this my FBL is shocking. So bad. I've kind of given up already. But, um, yeah, Saturday it was exciting. There was a lot of goals, um, a lot of last minute goals, which is always exciting. Not, if you're, to do not with... if you're on the receiving end. You've you got to feel for Sheffield United, who we'll talk about later in the podcast. But before we get into the actual games themselves, the new extra time rules where sort of like anytime the ball is out of play or not in play and um, the time has stopped and we're getting 8, 10, 12, 15 minutes added on. Yeah. Obviously that is a massive reason we're seeing so many late goals. We're seeing so many late turnarounds. Is it healthy though? Like as a, as a fan, as a neutral viewer, it, you love it. Heart rate. You love, heart rate well, you love it because it is what it is. Like mm. you're, you're seeing fantastic teams playing an extra 10 minutes of football every game. Yeah. You're getting more football for your, you're more bang for your buck. But for the players, if you're playing an extra eight minutes over the course of 10 games, you're basically playing another game. You're yeah. playing another We're eight seeing minutes. Teams like Chelsea and Man United, I think they've got like 10 or 11 players out each, which is crazy. But and that's, that's not like... totally down to the added time. But like Wamba Saka didn't start the game against Brighton, came on for like the last quarter of an hour and got injured. And so, I, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's but a lot of football going like, on. And then you've got teams like Man United and Chelsea having so many injuries, having spent however many hundreds of million. How is a team like Sheffield United meant to compete with that when they when their bench is going to be so much weaker than yeah. they can't afford to bring on a £40 million signing for the last 10 minutes? You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't work like that. But let's talk about Man United and the ever-continuing saga of troubles that seem to be plaguing their club. Um, obviously, they've had massive issues with, off the pitch with Mason Greenwood, Jaden Sancho, Anthony now. Uh, their wingers just are not doing it or doing it for all the wrong reasons. But mm. we're going to talk about a little bit about a problem in the middle of the pitch because Casemiro, someone you've highlighted, is he a problem? I, do, I think he's leggy, mate. I think what Man United have done for so many years now, and it's kind of well, it's caught up with them years ago. Hence, why they haven't like won anything important in however long. They've signed these big names: Ronaldo, Ibra, Casemiro, uh, Varane. To an extent, they sign these big names at the start of their decline. They're not signing players in their prime. I think the last player that you could argue Mason Mount, but. Bruno Fernandes, maybe they signed in his prime. But apart from that, you're just signing old Dons. And Casemiro is one of those. Yes, last season he was a, he was excellent. But he's still 32. Yep. He's got four years left in his contract or something. And when you play a team like Brighton, that are it's not energy. only te- technically excellent, but they got legs, they got energy, you're going to get found out. And him playing this kind of deep line six by himself with, bless him, Ericsson, who is also on his deathbed. You can't have those two playing a kind of um, centre midfield role against the legs of like, I was going to say Pascal Gross, but he's quite old. But 
the way Brighton build up, you you don't even need legs in the I middle. Mean, you just pass, they pass make, around you. Brighton make teams that they play against cover so much ground mm. because they can they play into space so well. They they create space better than probably any team in the Premier League. They they're so comfortable playing out from the back that teams have no choice but to be drawn forward by them. Mm. And they don't. And like even if a team decides mentally and tactically, we're going to sit back and let them come at us. They'll pick you apart still. They're just so good at that. Their passing is so pinpoint. It's so quick. And the players, like every single player in that Brighton team, their IQ just skyrocketed since the Zerbys come in because they know exactly how, right, this is how they're set up against us. This is what we need to do. And they do it every game. Casemiro Eriksson is nowhere near the legs of a Premier, like a top Premier League um, no. midfield duo. Nowhere near. And I know they brought in uh, Amrabat. But until he needs we, to get in the side ASAP. ASAP, because he will give them the legs that yeah. they're missing. And maybe him alongside Casemiro isn't too bad. Yeah, and then Mount as well as decent legs. I'd get Ericsson out of that team ASAP. But for me, there, there's just so it's so much wrong with Man United at the minute. And it just seems to be like a downward negative spiral that I, I, I don't see the end of. But mm. we've said before... You win two on the bounce or three on the bounce, or you pick up a good. They pick up a good win, then suddenly it's a whole different dynamic. It is the vibe is just very stinky at the moment around Man United. There's a lot of uh, heat underneath Ten Hag's chair. His chair is very hot at the moment. And fuck Nigel Farage, but I'm going to do Nigel Farage real quick and be like, "You all laughed at me. Who's laughing now?" When I said Ten Hag might not make it to October, is the seat too hot for Eric Ten Hag? Um, I think we need to give him time. And I say that, but from the beginning of the season, I don't think he's had a full strength of lemon to put out. Yeah. I think, I mean, the left-back issue, they had to sign Regulion, who's just, like, we've seen didn't Shout work before Spurs. Regulion. <laughs> um, that's a throwback. That, that is. is a throwback. Um, Onana doesn't fill me with confidence. I feel like he's still struggling to find out where his role is in that team. I know he's a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, you're a goal, like, mate. But like, they're asking him to build up from the back. But then they haven't got their centre-back pairing of uh, Varane and Lissandro Martinez mm. playing together at the minute. So whoever's partnering Martinez is just going to be yeah. like a complete negative in terms of trying to build out from the back. Um, right backs, I, I knew they were going to try. They were going to try to sign Benjamin Pavard which is a deal that fell through right at the last minute. Um, and he went over to Serie A, didn't he? Um, he he would have been a brilliant asset for them. Then you just go into the midfield. Ericsson and Casemiro, it's not good enough. It really isn't. The only two players in their team that are actually any threat are Bruno and Rashford. Uh, Rashford's Hoyland, who we're going to get onto now. We were quite impressed by his uh, little cameo against Arsenal. Thought he looked very dynamic. He looked dangerous. He was yeah. getting into the right positions. I like him, and he was good against Brighton in uh, in short yeah. spins. Scored since. a goal, got this loud. Yeah, and it was unfortunate. It was only about that much over the line, but that is how the game works. And that's how footballs footballs are spherical. So it might look like it's on the line, but it's a sphere. Well, so. No, but but if the ball's overhanging the line, it's in. But this clearly wasn't. Yeah, and anyway, angles, mate. But yeah, he at least he could put it away. We've seen that. Mm. He gets into the positions to put these chances away, which is something they've not had for a very long time. And it's yeah. a very different mode of striker to what they've had. Yeah, they've gone hungry. young, they've gone unproven, mm. as opposed to before where they had like, I don't know, Cavani like, yeah, like I said, and like Ibrahimovic. Past their prime players. Like, 
on the decline. So, and I he's think, hungry, I and think I like him. He brings more to the team in terms of a build-up aspect, and in terms of his interplay with the wire players and Bruno than every other striker they've done. Mm. Like maybe Val Veracruz was meant to do that, but it just didn't. He's just not top quality striker. So for me, I'm I'm interested to see how he will pick up and kick on throughout the season. So but- why is Ten Hag subbing in off and bringing on Martial? Who I think everyone is just fed up with Martial. He is. He was brought in as this next big thing, Ballon d'Or clause in his contract, and he stinks, mate. He's oh, I don't I don't know. He's just not that guy. He hasn't got the hunger for football anymore. I don't think. Do you think it's a problem just around Man United though? Like, who who was the last player that Man United bought in, and their career was better for it? Yeah, it sounded like Tim Sherwood. I mean, is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, I don't like Tim Sherwood. No, he's wanker. Um, but maybe I was thinking like maybe David de Gea. Yeah. David de Gea had like a really good time at Man United. It, towards the end, it trailed off. Mm. But I can't. I'm struggling to think of a player who came to Man United. And then left and, and was better for it. Yeah. Like, I've seen people saying that Paul Pogba is like the best French midfielder ever. And he's literally, like, his what has he done? Yeah, his career has spiraled. He, 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 yeah, he won the Euros and a, and a World Cup, yeah. but with his national team, his yeah. stacked national team. So for me, there is a deep rooted problem at Man United. And I'm seeing a lot of fans, and it's not been an uncommon thing here over the last year five, six years or even further that it's all the Glazers' fault. But from an outside perspective, I'm seeing a club where they are spending money. They're spending money. They're giving the manager the player he wants. And you don't tell me that Lissandro Martinez isn't the player that uh, Ten Hag wanted. Anthony Anthony wasn't the player that he wanted. Malassia. All these players that he are bringing in. There's something else wrong there. There's something else wrong, whether it's to do with just the whole nature of the club, the vibe around it, something very negative. I think there's a lot of unknowns about who's going to be in charge of Man United in terms of ownership. You've got to get this stuff sorted out. At the end of the day, the only people now that are suffering are the fans. But I don't want to hear it where Man United fans are on Twitter saying, no team in England has to deal with what we deal with. We're the hardest done by fans. Mate, there are hundreds of clubs who have been through far worse than you. Far worse. Perspective, mate. Are you, are you joking me? Are you are you actually like it? It, it actually infuriates me. He's You've right. got teams that have literally liquidated. Look at Bury, man. I can li- I, I'll find you a list of teams who are worse off because it's ridiculous that you'd ever have the gall to say anything like that. The gumption, the gall, disgusting. Look at where you are. Look at what you you've had. You've seen. You won a, a cup last season. Yeah, you've had so much success. You're in the Champions League Grow this up. season. Grow up. And you're sitting there crying. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And I know that's not indicative of the whole fan base, but get a grip. Grow up. If you're in that minority, get a grip. Come on. Don't deserve the beautiful game. Uh, we'll get back onto the team and the football. Rashford up top. So he Ten Hag tried this kind of like little diamond situation this game. Casemiro as the deepest. And then it was Ericsson and Scott McTominay. And then it was Bruno Fernandes. And then there was a top two of Rasmus Holland and Marcus Rashford. Seen a lot of people get on Marcus Rashford. And I think they have a good reason to do so. They're saying he's a bit selfish. He he attacks the goal with his head down. Always just looking to get a shot off. And I back it. So he's got a good shot on him. And last season, he scored, what, like 25 goals or whatever. And that just came from him being the sole man 
head down, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to be the guy to win this for us. Is that going to work if he's playing a top two with a striker like Hodgson? No. Uh, no. I think we've seen throughout the seasons that Marcus Rashford's best position is clearly out on that left wing when he can cut inside or he can go to the byline and he can and he can take people on. Mm. He likes to hit him and he likes to hit him hard. He he's not a creative winger in that asset. No. In that sense, he, he he's not got he's not a Jack Grealish who's going to be looking when he gets to the byline for who's in the box. He's going to think, right, I'm at the byline. I'm going to try come inside. Yeah, come inside. Like that and that's what he does and that's sort of a uh, a byproduct of him, him having to be the main man, yeah. the main source of goals for the last however many seasons. I don't know if this new formation is as a result of the lack of right wingers Man United currently have and that they're having to make do. Ten Hag doing a bit of square pegs and round holes right now. But I like the idea. It gives them legs in the midfield and Marcus Rashford is a super direct player, very good finisher. So him up top isn't a terrible idea. Linking up with Hodgland, that is almost like a makeshift Alvarez and Haaland. But to make that work, what Alvarez has got is insane kind of team play. You can see him now playing that kind of deeper De Bruyne role for Man City. If Rashford wants to kind of make it work as a top two, you need to learn how to play off your striking partner. You can see all the best ones from back in the day. Talking Michael Owen, Emil Heskey. Talking... Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp. All these players. Charlie Austin, Bobby Zamora. There you go. You need a good link-up. And at the moment, obviously this is the first game that I've seen these two play together. But Rashford needs to get in his head that he he doesn't have to be the only source of goals. He can square it to Hodgland. He can go line and ping it back to the edge of the box. Do you think this two up top has come as a result of them not having any right wingers at the minute? Exactly. But for me... Over the last few seasons, they've transfer windowed themselves into a problem. They've gone so that, like, ideally, they're starting front three. I think if everyone was fit and available, they're going to go with Rashford out wide on the left. They're going to go <clears throat> Rashford's Holland in the middle and Anthony out wide on the right. Mm-hmm. But you've got two players out wide there who aren't really there for their striker. Neither, yeah, exactly. neither of them are players who will drift out or come inside to create space for the striker. They're doing that because they want to come inside and shoot. They mm. want to get themselves into goal-scoring positions. But if you want Rashford Hodgland to be your out-and-out goal scorer, you yeah. want to make him the main man up top, you've got the wrong wingers for it. Mm-hmm. So unless you're going to have uh, Hodgland play in some sort of like facilitator role where he can come deep and get the ball and then create and draw centre-backs in to create space for Anthony and uh, Rashford to get inside, it, it, it won't work. But mm. And I don't see Hodgland doing that. I don't see him coming deep to to build up play. He's not a Harry Kane striker. He's not he's not a false nine. He's not. And so it doesn't work. And I think this is reminiscent of Ten Hag's team back in Ajax where you had Tadjic playing that false nine role and it worked so well because you created so much space in behind for your wingers to go left mm. and right. That's why Tadjic ended up with a crazy amount of assists because he, he was doing that. But you're not going to get Hoslund doing that. No. I, I can't say, I can't speak 100% because I'm, I'm not seeing him play, uh, play enough. But he doesn't strike me as that type of player. Unless no. it's something that Ten Hag's going to try and train him to do. But for me, like, would you not be better off having Bruno Fernandes up there? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, like you said, I think their recruitment is just a bit of a mishmash. They needed a striker, so they got Hodgland. But for me, 
like they should have splashed the cash on Harry Kane. Harry Kane will drop deep. It'd pretty much be what like England do. He drops deep, plays kind of longer balls over to Rashford who can go in and score. But now, yeah, like you said, you need wingers that are going to feed Hodgland. And from what we saw this game, Rashford isn't going to be that guy. Maybe Anthony is probably a bit more likely to feed him. And maybe, maybe Jaden Sancho, if he can get back in the team. But that seems like a ship that has sailed. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Man United could be in for a bit of trouble for the next few months if they don't figure out how to feed Hodgland. It's a lack of creative wingers is the is just one of many problems in that United team. And it's probably at the bottom of their list. Indeed. But let's um, talk about Brighton. Let's talk about yeah. Because I fucking love what they're doing. I'm gonna be scared when we come You've up. We've got here even with rotation, no March a Stupinan. March and a Stupinan. March Shah, what a guy. And a Stupinan who is one Outrageous. of the best fullbacks in the league at the moment. Brighton is still great. Not in the team. Lamptey came in for a Stupinan and Man of the match performance. Uh yeah, and some young winger guy, I can't remember his name, who was quality. Um, for Brighton. James Milner? <laughs> He's quite young, no? No, I can't. I fucking don't really care. But, but um, Brighton, yeah. it just seems to be levels with them. Like Every time they play, they look better and better than the week before. You do have the odd result where it doesn't go their way, the West Ham game. The perhaps. Everton game the season before, yeah. But they, they're outrageous. And every single player in that team, and it, the, 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 like, the brilliance is... Is that they're bringing in these names that no one's heard of, mm. and they're looking like hundred million pound players, and they might be sat on the bench for the last five game weeks or whatever. Yeah, and, and you're thinking, right, where's he come from? Oh, he's another star. It's it's fantastic to watch, and I think he's such a good coach, and you can tell he's a good coach because they'll rotate, and the players that come in maintain the level perfectly. There's no like drop off, whereas like. I think that's why I'm seeing an issue with Man United because yes, they've got injuries, but a good coach can manage that. The players that come in will be coached to an adequate level where the levels won't drop off that much. Whereas what I'm, which is why Man United, I think Ten Hag is a little bit iffy coach-wise. Whereas like Brighton, you can rotate players come in. Tariq Lamptey, we haven't seen him in a bloody age. He comes in plays at left back, I think he played, mm-hmm. and he was quality. And I don't know. It's just one of those things like Danny Welbeck rotating in for Evan Ferguson, quality. Um, Pascal Gross, quality. Dahoud, straight in, quality. I think, yeah, such a well-coached side. And I think um, Deservey, what I found out, he has a £13 million release clause active from this summer. Do teams start sniffing around Deservey? Could that team be the team they just beat? I mean... Especially if he gets to January, Man United could be out the Champions League. They mm. could be drifting away from the top four finish. And thirty million pounds isn't a lot of money in uh, the world of football. No, not for a team like Man United. It could, it could be the one. I'd yeah. If I was a club that was a little bit wobbly right now, I'm talking Chelsea. I'm talking Man United. Who I think between them, I think Chelsea are on five points from five games, and Man United are on four points from five games. Or might be the other way around. It's not good enough. And yeah, you got to be looking at teams like Brighton who are absolutely flying and think, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Do you reckon if the Zerbi left, it'd be Potter back in? Brighton are good. Brighton have got a good little model. I don't know, because they had to like fast forward their model when Chelsea came in and took Potter and they had to kind of jump the gun and get the Zerbi in. So I don't know. I wonder if they've already got 
like someone lined up someone lined like, up four managers backlog yeah just ready to just go. like ready to go because that yeah i'm intrigued uh i saw this question posed to gary lineker on the rest of football podcast could brighton do a leicester um no i agree because man city is too good the the leicester season there's was too many bad teams every there? team was poor yeah and i don't want to undermine that achievement because it's still a fantastic oh achievement. yeah gas for them but and, yeah, every team stunk really yeah i brighton already dropped points to west ham this season yeah so we could they, they will be beaten that's the nature of the game when they, they play that side of football like sometimes it won't click hmm you could, and that is they don't have although you might think they do they don't have the same quality on the pitch as a lot of the top four teams do but it'd be interesting a game that I'm really interested in seeing is Brighton versus uh, Liverpool yes because Brighton have been slapping Liverpool recently like they have Man United so yeah it could be very interesting should we move on to uh, a game where two late, late goals sunk the hearts of many of Sheffield United fans? I was gassed because at one point, May United were losing, Spurs were losing. I was like, there's no better Saturday than a Saturday where Spurs and United lose. Check my phone 10 minutes later and Spurs have won 2-1. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United 1-0 up and Richardson comes on after... A tough, tough time recently. Yeah. He was pictured crying on the uh, Brazilian bench. He said, uh, he came out and said he's seeking uh, like psychological and mental help to get back on track. Get his head in the game. Something happened between then and now because he came on and changed the game. Yeah. He uh, scored a cheeky little header. He did. And then, less than, what was it, like two minutes later, assisted uh, Dejan Kulusevski's brilliant finish. For uh, to turn the game on its head and send home some sad Sheffield United fans. Yep. Angeball, let's talk about it because it's clicking. It's, it is working. But how are you not? Yeah. How are you not beating Sheffield United in like ninety minutes? Well, I don't know. The, like from the momentum bar, it's all Spurs, and I think it was one of those where you're gonna have those games where you just can't get through. Like Sheffield United playing five at the back, time wasting a little bit three really deep midfielders kind of shit house top two or front two it's, it's a hard one but yeah like you said at home you should be beating Sheffield United comfortably but one thing I will say for Spurs is to get the result no matter how it comes I remember last year when they were struggling against Leicester and then in like the last minute won the game it's a good habit to pick up like Arsenal picked that up last year a couple of last minute winners it's a very good habit to get three points no matter how you get it um Talk I think to me. my issue with Spurs is that I don't think they're is it prolific enough in goal in front of goal. Yeah, yeah, I, and like the the beneficial nature of that is that Madison will help for that. They're going to have so many chances with this Angeball system mm. with a player like James Madison creating chances. He's he's a expected chance created monster. Like, yeah, don't like to use the expected stats too much, but he, that that's the best way to put it. Um. But the problem I think they have is they don't have, like you say, a prolific goal scorer anymore. No. Since Harry Kane has uh, sailed to Bayern. Yeah. Like, Son is goals. He, he like but Apart last from last season, season, it was a little bit wobbly. But he's still got, like, I think he's still got, like, 15 goals. But for me, I, I, I really like the idea back in the day of having Son as, like, through the middle. But I think he is 
he is better off the wing. And so I think, and I don't think Richarlison's that guy up top, unless you slightly change the system. Because what Richarlison does is he kind of lingers in the six-yard box and he's a bit of a poacher. I think that's how he gets a lot of his goals for Brazil. They'll like cut it back to him and he's there to finish. Whereas that's not really how Spurs are playing at the moment. So I don't think Richardson's that guy. And so for me, I don't know if they've got that kind of focal point up top that Ange needs. Maybe they'll dip into the market in January. I don't know. Ivan Tony, perhaps? Perhaps, yeah. I think that would be an outrageous... That'd be a nice little move. I've seen he's um, going to be back in training with Brentford. He can't play for however yeah. longer, but he can train, which would uh, be interesting. Apparently, they're lining up to keep him and uh, utilise him, which be interesting to see. But I can see a lot of teams sniffing around him uh, as the answer to their problems. But Spurs, they, like you say, creating chances. Mm. Creating, creating a lot of chances. Ange Ball's looking good. Yeah. Conceding quite a few goals, though. Mm. But is yeah. that just giving the, the goalkeeper and the back line time to sort of gel a little bit? They've yeah. got uh, Odogi there. Um uh, Pedro Porro, who just had disgusting turn he done. Yeah, I think I think um, that back line, in my opinion, none of them are actually very good defenders. And that's all fun and good because the way Angie's playing, they're going to dominate most games. They're going to be super attacking. And they're going to probably win most games by outscoring the opposition. It's not going to be by like defending and getting a 2-0 win. They're probably going to get a lot of three ones and four ones, four twos. Because for me, yeah, Pedro Poro's there for his attacking um, oh, skills. Cool. So Zudogi. And then I think Van de Ven's all right. And I think Christian Romero's heavily overrated. So between that four, I think you're relying heavily on Basuma to do a lot of legwork in that midfield, which he has been doing. He's been quality. He's been really good. But yeah, I think they will concede a lot of goals. But they'll score a lot of goals. And that's what you like to see. Yeah, um, we spoke a little bit about the beginning uh, about the uh, increased added time, the new laws that have been brought into play. We use Sheffield United as an example. Did you see Heckenbottom's uh, post-match kind of rant about referees? Yeah. He was like, referees don't understand about kind of like game state and how like um, the Sheffield United goalkeeper when Spurs have like cottoned on to how they're playing out from the back Spurs will shift their team so Sheffield United have to reshift their like kind of goal kick uh, kind of playing out from the back idea and that takes time and so the referees will punish Sheffield United for kind of reevaluating their goal kick procedure and Heckenbottom is kind of saying, you can't penalise us for thinking about football during the game. Apparently, one of the referees was like, so Heckenbottom went to the referee and was like, we're kind of thinking about how to play out from the back differently. And he was like, I don't care, kick it long. And I was like, how's a referee? Uh, if that's true, I was like, how's a referee? Can you dictate how these multi-billion pound teams play their football just because they're taking a little bit longer than you'd like? You've got to kind of add a bit of common sense into it. Maybe, yes, they are taking a little bit longer Spurs. Just add it on. Stop booking people for thinking about how to play. Especially, and I I don't want to kind of like give the underdogs an advantage. But like, Sheffield United are about to pick up a massive scalp here beating Spurs away. 
Don't start fucking booking every one of their players because they're trying to figure out a new way to play out from the back. The problem is there's so much inconsistency within refereeing at the minute and they're, they're creating new laws to try and make everything far more pinpoint and down to the letter. But football isn't a down to the letter game. We're you losing have... the je ne sais quoi of the game. 100%. But the problem is wh- when the decision is made, there's always going to be someone who benefits and someone who is be- uh, negatively affected. Yeah, that's the and problem. that is the nature of football. But we need to bring some common sense in. I mean, a goal kick is a set piece, yeah? Mm. I'm not talking about when um, he catches it and he's got however long to kick it out of his hands. I'm talking about it goes out of play for a goal kick. It's, it's a set piece. Yeah. It's a set piece. If if they want to take a little bit of time to do it, that is what it is. Like, but and I'm not, I'm not saying they can sit there, but the clock is stopped at that point. Yeah, just don't the- let them take the piss, but apply common sense. If it's like a 20-second limit and they hit 25... Fine. If they hit like forty, then book them. But if it's, it's twenty five, it's fine. With the, people complaining that Arsenal took so long to for the corner that they scored from, but that Who corner cares? actually took less time than the average corner from last the, season. Yeah. So just just stop fucking overanalyzing. You're, everything. you're look you're looking too much towards the narrative of the game and not yeah. actually refereeing what's in front of you. Yeah, hundred percent. And for me, I, I I'm fully there for supporting referees, protecting referees. But it's getting ridiculous. They are becoming far too much the centre point in the game. I don't want. I don't want to hear about referees anymore. I've got an outlandish idea. Sack them off. This could be mental. What if you have two referees, one for each half? That eliminates kind of making the game about them, making the game about them, and pressure. Of like game state, say like one referee's already booked a lot of people, or is like, oh, I've kind of, I know I've kind of leniently given you a yellow, but I shouldn't have, blah blah, and that's playing on his mind, and like might accidentally book someone else because he's trying to make up for that. Get another referee in for the second half, clean slate. He, he doesn't know, and what you got to do is that referee that comes in the second half, he's locked away. He can't even watch the first half. I was going to just got to let know who's got he the just gets handed the, the the card with, the and then he's got to go straight out and do it. The only problem is, yeah, I've got a massive problem with that. I don't know. I've just literally thought that. Because there's probably, a, there's probably a million problems. With we're, we're, we're struggling to get like three good refs in the prem. <laughs> and now you want double. Yeah. You want double. I mean, it's an idea. I'll throw it out there. I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I feel like let's, let's give referees some accountability here. Mm. They have to be held accountable for their decisions, right? They need to come out and explain every decision that they make regarding VAR. Mm. Okay, that any sort of like contentious decision, like if managers are made to come out and give press conferences after games and talk to the media, why is the referee not asked to? But then is that playing into that they shouldn't be the star of the show? Perhaps, perhaps. But th- there needs to be more explanation going on here. Yeah, we... the mic'd up referee thing for VAR needs to happen. 100%. I don't, <laughs> was it during the Women's World Cup though, where the woman, where she, uh, the referee came on, she was like, number six booked for a foul penalized <laughs> and i was like no nah, just just like right, that's too much yeah. i just want to i just want to know what's going on yeah i don't want to sit there like being like Whoa. like we, we there's a million cameras at the game yeah. we should be informed of everything now like we've gotten to that point where everything every single thing that a referee does is going to be scrutinized but that is the nature of the game you're refereeing the biggest sport in the biggest league on the planet probably the universe mate shout out aliens but 
um yeah i don't know it's just it's long it's long yeah uh, and it's getting worse that's i think that's what's getting on everybody's tits is that when var first got brought in i swear down it wasn't this bad you gave it some leniency as well because it was new like the refereeing plus var combo when it first got introduced I swear it wasn't this bad. It is getting worse. It's probably, I don't know how long it's been since VAR came in. I'm going to say five years. I've pulled that out of my Yeah, ass, probably around that. Five. It's got worse. I feel like every week now, there's at least two or three VAR big issues. Whereas back in the day, I swear it wasn't that bad. Do you know what as well is that um, the Premier League turned down the offside technology that was used in the, in the World, World Cup. Cup yeah. Go back to that World Cup yeah, and tell me one time they got it wrong. Yeah, and that's a combo of foreign referees, which are so much better than English referees. Yep. And that technology is really good. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Maybe that's the uh, the the new thing. We just get the best referees in. Yeah. We've already got like the best money, the best managers, best mm. players. Just fucking get the best refs in. And they send the, the shit ones out to Saudi. Get them off to Saudi. You get a bag. You probably make a profit yeah. selling the league. 100%. Because who was it? Clattenburg. He went out to like China for a bit, didn't he? Or like Abu Dhabi or something to referee. I don't know. Abu Dhabi do. Um, let's round up this episode by talking about a game where, what was it, like three goals in the last 10 minutes for Aston Villa. Yeah, sad day for Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson taking ill as well. Shout out, Roy Hodgson. Yeah, it's all good. I like Roy Hodgson. Get well soon, mate. Um, I was worried when Aaron Ramsey scored. Oh, yeah, because he's like a... He's if a he scores, someone dies. Yeah, yeah and, I remember and They that. gave Shout him that out. penalty and I was like, you know what you're doing here. <laughs> that is disgusting. But... um. Yeah, it was a bad day for Palace. Yeah, they started off pretty decent. I think Eze and Decore in midfield, they're running the show. But I don't think that Crystal Palace team has enough quality beyond Eze and Decore and when Elise gets back fit. Anderson's good. I like Anderson. Yeah, I think their centre-backs are okay. Gay and Anderson, I think, are okay. I don't think they're ever kind of stars of the show. Whereas like Decore, Elise and Eze, I think are... Players that are stars of the show that could go up and I think level. I think Anderson's a really good defender. I think he's one of the best ball playing defenders in the Premier League. I don't think he could go up into a top six team. Whereas I think Elise definitely in the Spurs team next to uh, Romero. Yeah, probably, but that's I don't know, not saying much. Um, whereas Elise, Eze, and Decore, I don't think would look out of place in a City or an Arsenal or a Liverpool. Agreed. So, yeah, beyond that, I think there's a lack of depth and quality at Crystal Palace. And I think that, for me, is my only issue with Crystal Palace. Maybe, like, a good goal scorer, Eduardo and Mateta kind of go in and out of goals, which isn't good enough when you've got players like Eze and Elise feeding you. And then you're still playing Schlupp or Will Hughes in your midfield. Like, Jordan Ayew. Yeah, you've got a lot of kind of Joel Ward. You've got a lot of dusted dons that need to kind of move on. And I I don't know if that just comes from... They're not like a massive club. You probably can't turn around 100 mil every summer. So it's not that easy. Whereas let's talk about a team that can turn around 100 mil every summer. Highly ambitious owners. Aston Villa. Yeah, Aston Villa. Team. I mean, they had a really understated but impressive transfer window. They did their business early. They done it quietly. They made some good additions to that already decent team. A team that had a fantastic finish the last season. Mm. Um, but for me, Aston Villa, there is no reason why they can't on their day beat anyone. I think they've got a good enough manager yeah. and a good enough squad there to beat anyone. They've got a World Cup winning goalkeeper. Yep. They get an Ollie Watkins firing. 
Yep. They've um, got a range of very good defenders. John Durant's got an absolute disgusting goal. I've seen that being called Ben Teke-esque. Shout out Durant. Prime, prime Ben Teke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Musa Diaby as well. Outrageous signing. How good is he? Yeah, I didn't think he'd be playing the role that he's playing. He's playing like the central kind of attacking, creative player. I, f- I saw him as like a right winger when he was at Leverkusen. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. Unai Emery's got him in this kind of creative role. He's got Zaniolo and John McGinn on the wide roles. I don't know if that's because he's trying to play like a very compact middle midfield and allow like the fullbacks to bomb on, which seems to be working. And then obviously behind them, you've got Kamara and Douglas Louise, who are two very solid defensive midfielders. Douglas Louise, one of my most underrated Premier League players at the minute. Yeah, I really or, or like, like for the last few seasons. Yeah, I really like what Villa got. You've got a decent defensive unit, a decent attackive unit. I think for me, they need to just kind of get that defensive unit not conceding as many goals as they are. But apart I mean, from that, got, I really like some really good defenders there, though. Yeah. The, the likes of Conza, Torres, um, Diego Carlos, Carlos well. yeah. And even Tyron Mings when uh, he's back. Wasn't the biggest fan of Mings, but he does a job. Um but yeah, they're, they're just a really solid team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go have like another under the radar season where they end up sort of around that top eight. In the yeah, I can see them picking up like if they get a nice little, I can see them five wins on the trot. Yeah, and, and there's no And reason. if you do that, you're automatically, you just end up in like the top six, eight because teams are dropping points left, right and centre at the moment. So yeah, I think if you can pluck together a nice little run, I think Aston Villa could be a problem for those teams buying for European success um, European Just places. before we finish up, I want to talk to you about Luton Town. Mm. Um, zero points at the minute. Mm. They were hard done by, in my opinion, against West Ham. I think uh, they could have had a penalty yep. in the late on. Are we going to see them break Derby's record for points in the season? No. I saw someone tweet this. So he put a bet on. It was like Luton to beat Derby's uh, worst score. I think he put like 50 quid and it returns stupid amount of money for I don't know a pretty like black and white bet either happens or it doesn't happen and it returns <laughs> fucking return like three grand I was like I don't know I, I just don't think it's going to happen I think they'll pick up some results I haven't been like massively dis- like disappointed in any of the games that I've seen them play like you said I thought they were alright against West Ham they were pretty decent against Fulham unlucky to lose 1-0 I think once you get them against maybe a Burnley or a Sheffield United at home, I think they'll pick up a few. I can, yeah, I I don't reckon they'll uh, do a derby. No, I'm. I the problem is I I struggle to see where the points come from though, and without them being outlandish results, mm. and and for for me any team that isn't Sheffield United or Burnley. And even then, I'm thinking, I think both those teams are better. Maybe not Sheffield United. Sheffield United are probably on par, just maybe a little bit past. Mm. But I think Burnley are far better than Luton. And I think even sort of like the the strugglers in the league, Everton, I think they're probably maybe better than Luton, like too good for Luton. I I struggle to see where these points are going to come from. Even like Wolves, who were tipped for relegation yeah. by a lot of people, they had, right. they had a really good performance against Liverpool, and and it just happens that Liverpool are just so devastating once they get onto you. Yeah, that, that is what happens. But they look good on the Gary O'Neill. I, I struggle to see where these points are going to come from. Yeah, you are right. Are you, are you telling? And if they want to get 
you know, I, I think Derby's points record is 11 points. 11, yeah. So if they need to get four wins or, you know, like two uh, two wins and five draws, I don't know where that's coming from. I really don't. And like, the problem is it could it could switch around in a matter of games. I mean, yeah. they're, they're playing Burnley in, I think, is it next week? Oh, I don't know. They've got a double, they've got a double header. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because their game got postponed when Kenilworth Road wasn't ready. But for me, that that's, that's a week where you've got to really, really get going now. Because if you don't get going, you get, you'll, you'll be up near Christmas time soon, mate. And Santa's not bringing you any points for free. He's spitting. I think Rob Edwards is a good manager. I reckon he'll pick up some points. I don't even like Luton. In fact, I dislike Luton. But I think they'll pick up some points. Do you want to quickly just discuss uh, one very boring game in Bournemouth versus Chelsea? Yeah, Chelsea stink, mate. I think, can't get it going, can I they? think it can be epitomised by their bench. When you've got a bench where you you spent a billion and you've got two goalkeepers on your bench. and like Five unknowns. Five unknowns. you got... It's so bad. I know they've got a lot of injuries, but even still, you spent a billion. Your squad depth's got to be better than that. Man United, not Man United, Man City, when you're when they're in their pomp and you look at their bench and they've got the likes of fucking, I don't know, Mares and Bernardo Silva and... I know. Even Calvin Phillips on their bench, who probably walks into that Chelsea team. How is Conor Gallagher your captain? I, I don't mess. understand it. I, I, like For me, the only two players that really impressed me for Chelsea, yes, they were Malagusto and Sterling. Mm. I think they're the only two players that look dangerous in that team for me. Nicholas yeah. Jackson can't score a goal to save his oh, life. Oh, mate, do you see that one where he's like on the left-hand side of the box and he took a shot? And it's just so bad. There's like one where the ball comes in, uh, I think it's from Chilwell, and he doesn't expect it to land on his head and it just like bounces onto his head and, <laughs> and goes like at the keeper or something. Like, but you're, said you're, it's a bit you're of meant to be like mate. this prolific striker, yeah? yeah? And you can't even, like, you're not ready for the ball to come at you in the box. Like, yeah. I don't I've, get it. I think they, they, they could be in trouble. And yeah. On Bournemouth though, I think stick with Ariola, mate. I know they haven't got a win so far this season. They've had a very hard start to the season. They had one of the hardest starts. Them and Newcastle. And I don't think any game they've looked particularly bad. I think once they get Tyler Adams into the team, uh, Sinistera, once he starts getting into the team, I think, yeah, trust in Areola. There's a nice little unit there. 100% agree. Let us know down below what you have thought of everything that we've covered. We covered quite a lot. Some brief. But yeah. yeah, May United. Is it going to get better anytime soon? Let us know. Um, and yeah, what about uh, all the changes to the extra time rules? Is it fair on uh, the lower teams in the league? Or is it just great? Should we just be happy as spectators? Guys, if you're not already involved in our Gabriel Martinelli shirt giveaway, make sure you get involved. It's very easy. You've got to follow us and AFTV on Twitter and then subscribe to us on YouTube. It's so simple. You can't go wrong. And you've got a good chance of winning. The giveaway doesn't stop. Martinelli hasn't scored yet. He's injured at the moment, so the giveaway is going to go on indefinitely till he bags. But yeah, guys, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. Thanks to all our new subscribers. Uh, the content's going to be coming thick and fast. Champions League is back by the time you've watched this. And uh, yeah, the football's just not going to stop. So yeah, guys, thank you very much for watching. It's been Bordraw, and it's live.